Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Lower and once you're in a Donaldson, Lish, and if I got in, I can hear Lord Jeffrey the the dinner be. Me head will impose his shock on Ian Rodiano when he wear a lestad car Lish no budge book a shoot. Skilty, fis, turmi. Ni majigiri in drama honyal ama, tamajigiri majhen honyal esta. Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The Big Tech Show brought to you by Elevon. Elevon makes payment taking simple, freeing you up to focus on your business. You take on the world, they'll take care of the payments. See elevon.ie for more. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Scott, who's the chief technology correspondent from Politico. Mark, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, listen, we're going to talk about some European stuff today. It's a, it's a topic that you cover in an awful lot of depth. You you were right across a lot of the regulatory stuff and the that interface between big tech and the regulators and the laws. And there's a fair bit happening this month and this week, we have um, a, a big Digital Services Act, Markets Act co- coming in soon. We have uh, EU, ad- we have new advertising regulations that are going to be um, introduced. Um, I think this week there's a focus on advertising, isn't there? Um, can you briefly explain what the intent is there uh, on the use on the use uh, part? Sure. So let's just back up a couple of years. So back in 2018, the European Commission decided that it had had enough with disinformation and falsehood spreading online and created something called a code of practice, which was basically a set of voluntary rules that Facebook, Google, Twitter and others signed up to. Fast forward two years, surprise, surprise, it hasn't worked because everything was voluntary. The Some of the rules laid out in terms of allowing people to check what was going on online just haven't worked. And so what they're announcing later on uh, today, which is December 3rd, um, is a sort of a, an update to that. So that's going to involve a variety of things, including um, limits on political advertising. So the things um, you and I would see, say, around the recent um, referendum you guys had in Ireland, et cetera, that's going to be um, proposals to limit that. So the idea being that any political act or group would have to abide by uh, greater restrictions say i couldn't uh, target people specifically in a certain area of dublin or you know individuals um who like pop music and are in between 18 and 24 the the, the goal is over the next couple of years to, to to stop that purely because it, um, the commission believes it gets to things become too divisive okay okay and and which what you're describing there is actually not far away from the bread and butter of facebook's um, USP, uh, in a sense. But when you say in the beginning there that surprise, surprise, didn't work um, effectively, w- what do we mean by that? I mean, what, what, what are the issues or the problems that have cropped up with the code of practice? W- why isn't it working? Uh, so let's just jump over the, the Atlantic to the recent US election. And so hundreds of millions of dollars were, were spent uh, by political groups to target voters with specific ads. And the way it is, and this is not just a Facebook issue, there's also a Google and Twitter issue as well, is that you can use very complex profiles of, of um, social media users that can be then used to figure out who we are, what we like, and their political groups can then use that data to target us with specific messaging that they think would resonate with us. 
Um, so that's what happened during the recent US election. It happened last year in, in the U European parliamentary election. And frankly, it happened also in the recent um, Irish referendum. So the, the goal with these new limits is to sort of go, that doesn't allow everyone to understand what's really going on in terms of what political messages are getting yeah, across. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, what, at a basic level, what is wrong with that? I mean, is there anything wrong with that, with that kind of micro-targeting? I mean, to, to, to use Facebook feel, I mean, there isn't, right? Because in the end, in, in a pre-Facebook world, there was leafleting going around and people could do that. I think that the issue with uh, political ads and how it can be micro-targeted is I, as a political group, can be, I can spend a lot of money, but target it very specifically. So I, I, I won't target you, Adrian, I'll target people like you but there could be, say, three of you within your neighborhood. And therefore, the ability for me to target and pinpoint that means I can aim a message at you, which I wouldn't aim at your neighbor. And therefore, it can limit the ability for people to understand who's saying what to whom. And that can undermine... So it's, so it's a transparency issue, really, uh, yeah. in terms of who is uh, getting this message across and what their motivations might be and who they're selecting for a, a more general global view of what's going on. Is that, is that it? Exactly. It's, this is all about transparency. I was trying to not use the word because it kind of gets a bit wonky, but it is about you and I knowing who's targeting us, how we're being targeted, and who else is seeing those messages. Because, again, not to get too grandiose, if democracy is going to work, I need to know what everyone is being targeted with to, to be just figure out, okay, is it a certain political group aiming at one person and then saying something completely different to another? Mm. That doesn't help democracy. So one of the, I think, the mooted uh, solutions for this, or one of the remedies, might be that there's been suggested there could include there could be a minimum threshold of uh, on the number of people that might be able to see that kind of content. Exactly. So that would be, for example, let's use the Dublin example. That yeah. would be I can't go to specific neighbourhoods within Dublin. I have to sort of target the whole city, and therefore, yes, that still allows some targeting, but it, it, it means that at least more than a few handful of people will be seeing a specific ad. And that's for, supposed to help the transparency component. What do we know about the um, the social media platform's response or view of this? I mean, do they have a benign view about it? Do they think it's terrible? Do, do they have any response at all, do you know? I mean, as you say, it goes to the bread and butter of their business. But I think the, all platforms don't want this stuff to spread. I mean, it's not like they are promoting disinformation or, or hate divisive political ads for, for the sake of it. I, the, the, all platforms have put in some basic transparency measures, which allow some ability to check who's doing what and how. Mm. I think they would be, they're going to be, they, they will welcome this because who doesn't want to protect democracy? It come, but the devil will be in the detail. And I think what they're going to push back specifically on is limits and thresholds on what, who, how many people can be targeted with these ads. Because mm. as you said, that goes directly to their business model. The other question will be is, how do you define a political ad? Will it be specific someone from Fianna Gael, for example, or will it be around you know, gay rights? Those that, that's a big one. And I've heard Zuckerberg talk about that before when he gets into the weeds about this, um, either in blog posts or uh, I've heard him interviewed on it as well. He, he raises a lot of examples, issue-based stuff, for example, and what might be a considered to be a, a rabble-rousing or polarizing or a toxic issue to one group may, to another, be either a civil rights issue or something that they feel uh, strongly about. And where do you draw the line between advocating for you know, greater rights for something and uh, and something that a political party pays for. Yeah, and the thing is, they already do it, right? So let's take Facebook and 
all the, all the platforms do this, but they already sort of provide definitions of what these issue-based ads, which therefore they, they require greater transparency. So climate change, people like Exxon and Greenpeace fall into that bucket. And therefore mm. they also need to be transparent about how much they're spending and who they're targeting. And, and, so, and that, in, that in itself will, will kick off a row because a lot of people would argue climate change, you know, is a scientific thing. And uh, it it may or it sh- maybe it shouldn't quite be classed as a political thing, but I can see where you're coming from here. That the, the 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 fine lines here are going to be tough, and that's where the I mean you can just feel the lobbyists and lawyers like sort of gearing up to get going because that is where the fight will be about mm. equally, but definitions because definitions do matter in this context. Yeah, the I mean the other irony here from the social platforms point of view is I've heard them make the argument they don't actually make that much money from. Um, political ads. I think they do make some money, but I, I saw it quantified somewhere recently and it was, you know, it was in the millions of dollars, which for a company that, you know, uh, takes revenue of, I don't know what Facebook's revenue is now, $100 billion, some, something in, in, in that range. Um, it, it, you'd get the sense that it's not, it's not worth the grief that they take for it. Well, if it wasn't worth the grief, they wouldn't do it. I mean, this is take the US context, again, because it's the biggest ad market in the world. Um, since May 2018, when uh, Facebook provided greater transparency in political ads, I think all collectively, all groups have spent over $2.5 billion. And therefore, yeah, that's not, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money, uh, but it's not sort of game changing money for a company like Facebook. But $2.5 billion is still a lot of money. to. That's a to lot of money. Yeah, I didn't realize it was it was it was quite a, at that level. I mean, I think I think for Ireland, for example, it would be in the tens of millions. I think for, for the whole European Union, it's in the hundreds of millions. So, Sorry, tens of millions in terms of political advertising on uh, digital platforms. On Facebook. Uh, well, I, I'd need to check that on 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 here, but I, I'd be surprised now in an Irish context if it was that much because <clears throat> the political parties here they're not actually that rich, and and their total. Um, spend certainly on an annual basis on a, on a, on a cyclical basis. I, I don't think of any anything close to that. But um, but but maybe that's an aggregate figure, aggregating everything over a longer period of time or something like that. But um, the what I, I've heard, Clegg as well. I actually interviewed Clegg, Nick Clegg, Facebook's um, public policy guy, former leader of the Liberal Democrats there in the UK. I put one or two of these questions in general, and he has a line where he says, "Look, we're the most." transparent platform in the world, uh, including television. Um, and he pushes this line that we have to be careful here in trying to regulate that, that we're not throwing out this digital innovation uh, vibe that we're all striving for in Europe at the same time. Is that just kind of him playing the party line? Or is there, is there anything to that, do you think? I think he's comparing apples to oranges. Uh, yes, it's fair to say that they do do better than Google and Twitter on transparency. And if you compare to what they offer granularly compared to TV ads, then yeah, they do provide greater, uh, greater oversight. But a TV ad is seen by the whole country. It's not seen by three people in, in, in Galway. So I think it, to say that they are doing better than TV is kind of missing the point. By the way, can I just compliment your, your knowledge of both political parties here and the cities here? That's a couple of times now you've... Very impressively referenced a, a, a few places here. You, you visit her here? Do you know? Do you know the place? I mean, despite my accent, I'm actually uh, an Irish citizen. So, uh, oh, okay. I should have known that. Apologies. Although, apologies. Although, 
although a plastic one after Brexit. So I don't throw. Oh, uh, did you? Are you? (laughs) Did you take out an Irish? um, Did you use the? Did you use the granny rule? Did you use like what the Irish footballers use? They've got a granny or a granddad. (laughs) Yeah. So my 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 grandparents from County Mayo. So uh, oh right, and now and I I have no apologies to listeners at all. What part of Mayo? (laughs) That is a good question. You don't Uh, know? Okay, that's fine. Well, no, because they they died when I was very young. So uh, sort of I have photos, but I don't have. uh, So you really are a plastic. uh, um, (laughs) Okay, but I. I have Irish hair, so they're, they're, that's Fair enough. Hair. Fair enough. Well, that's interesting. Well, welcome anytime. Um, j- just to come back to the, the one of the other issues that's coming up soon uh, is this Digital Services Act, and there's a lot of lobbying going on over that. Um, what and people like you know Mar- Marguerite Fisteyer and a lot of senior officials in in the Commission have promised an awful uh, lot for this. But I'm still trying to get my head around what it is actually ultimately trying to do. What, 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 how would you describe its, its its aims? So it kind of goes in hand in hand with what we've been talking about, political ads, etc. It comes down to what you and I see on social media and who's responsible for it. Mm. So when we see things that are both maybe distasteful, illegal or harmful, like hate speech, it, what responsibility do the platforms have to police that? When it comes to some of the illegal stuff, sort of me inciting violence, et cetera, that already is taken down. But the, what the, the Digital Services Act is going to try and do is look at some of that icky but not illegal content, sort of people calling out, you know, um, lobbying uh, insults at specific mm. minority groups, et cetera. That's what it's going to focus on. And, and the idea is to put greater responsibility on the platforms to police, monitor, and potentially take down that type of content. Which is a topic that we've all been talking about for, for many years, and none of us have yet managed to arrive at a perfect solution uh, for that. But one of the elements to it was around a little bit more discovery about al- algorithms. I mean, I think it was uh, Vestager who said a few weeks ago, they'll have to tell us how they decide what information products to recommend to us and which ones to hide and give us the ability to influence those decisions instead of simply having them made for us. I mean that to 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 the platforms we're talking about, algorithmic you know proprietary issues around that is their that's that's their secret sauce, isn't it? Yeah, yeah completely. And, and not to come back to that wonky topic of transparency, but I think this isn't a question of trying to give away the secret sauce. It's more a question of if I'm seeing certain posts or I'm being offered specific videos on YouTube, how do I, how does that work? Right. And so it's about this something called a recommendation engine. The idea being I, I've cl- uh, clicked on Adrian's post here and therefore I'll continue to see more posts like that. Mm. And I think the goal is to, again, wonky but important transparency. How are those decisions made? So it's not a question of like, show me your algorithm. It's more a question of show me how you got to that stage. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's not a question maybe that there's some, you know, uh, looming Chinese style um bureaucracy that would want greater oversight on the algorithms themselves which which would be that would be a bit of an issue i mean there are some people in the commission who would like that mm. it, but the problem is none of the people in the commission have the technical expertise to, to do that they would have to rely on the companies and therefore i think what again this is being announced on december 15th things may change it got what he got pushed back a week mm. because of internal fighting um but I think it, there will be greater algorithmic transparency in terms of how, what data are you, are you using, how are you making those decisions, why am I seeing this, 
But I think right now we're not going to see show me your algorithm type legislation. I, I just don't think they're mm. going to go that far. I had a quick look the other day at um, a paper that Ireland put out uh, because it is involved in these decisions at, at both the council and, and commission level. And the language from the Irish position was all about innovation and, you know, digital economy. And it it smacked to me that it was very, very aligned with <laughs> some of the big companies that have their huge bases uh, here in Dublin. It wouldn't be the first time that that has happened, though. Yes. And and not to say or that the Irish government is too close to the tech companies, but there, there is a, a commercial reason for, for Ireland Inc. why it makes sense to promote that. But then you look at some papers that have been published separately by, say, the French and Dutch uh, recently, and they are asking for something very, very different on that. And so I think, uh, as are the Austrians and the other EU countries, so I, I would think um, Ireland, maybe with um, some of the Nordics, will maybe left slightly out on, the, on their own in terms mm. of asking for innovation versus regulation. In your experience in covering this beast, does it often align in that way with um, countries taking positions that align rather perfectly with the commercial industrial uh, stimuli that they have uh, from certain industries? It does. I mean, this is when I bring up Brexit, <laughs> frankly, because I, th- I think when the Brits were involved in this process, countries, say like the Netherlands, were more willing to take a more innovative, innovation-first uh, approach because they had a large um, member state to, to, to back them. Um, again, this is not disparaging uh, countries like Ireland at all, but it just the Brits just were able to push back against the French and Germans in particular more so. And then what's happened post-Brexit is that some of the smaller countries, excluding Ireland, frankly, have been saying, okay, we don't like this very much, but we have bigger fish to fry we might have to go along with this because it doesn't affect us that much to to win other battles that we need the French and Germans for in the future. Mm. I think Ireland, and you have this going on with digital tax as well, is it is such an existential part of the Irish economy mm. that, that they are more willing to sort of continue down the pro-tech line than mm. some of the other smaller countries. I, th- I think if anything, over the last 2020, we'll have buttressed the Irish uh, uh, policymaker view of that because the big tech companies here have kept a lot of people in jobs and got a big section of the economy going when an awful lot of it was furloughed or um or shut down um it's just interesting i mean and the whole issue the the way that the uh, the apple tax was synchronized between the irish government and apple when I covered that story in in some depth um there was no apologies from the irish government on that um, it, it was a point of principle in terms of what they felt their tax uh, sovereignty was, but it was also aligned very much with uh, the strategic industrial uh, influence of Apple having 6,000 people in Cork. And this is what I'm going to sound like I'm a, a lobbyist for the IDA, but I, I think uh, they're right. There's, I don't the tax and other areas of national competence. So, you know, and what we've seen with the European Court of Justice decision that they went against the Apple tax decision shows that that is still in place. Mm. The question I have with Ireland is, with all this digital stuff, is it's important, but there are other big fish to fry, particularly when it comes to Brexit. And how far is Ireland willing to go on that to, mm. to protect a legitimately important part of the economy when, as I said, there are bigger fishes to fry out there right now? So someday someone will write a book about this, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the 
balance that Ireland is trying to strike, because it, it does actually have quite a lot of soft power at the moment. It has been quite successful in the way it has maneuvered other countries and Barnier um, on the Brexit issue. Uh, uh, quite a lot of support on the border issue, for example, uh, from the Irish position. Um, but they are always in danger of pissing off, particularly the French and the Germans, on the digital stuff. And it's this unbelievable tightrope that they're walking. Yeah, but I mean, but I think that the thing is, regulation is coming. The, you know, when we're going to get on maybe to some of the competition issues, but they, that is something that is coming, like it or not. And I, I think some of it is, yeah, I think the tax stuff is maybe more existential to the Irish economy. I think platform regulation, a greater transparency over political ads, etc. I think I, I always get that Dublin is, is in favour of that, as long as it's put in with specific limits and innovation first. But it's not like any government uh, or even company is going to say, we don't want that. It's a question of the detail, the definitions, how will it, really, will it imply and will it affect jobs in Ireland? And right now, I don't think the... The Digital Services Act is going to do that. If, if anything, with all the content moderators sitting in Cork, it's actually going to create more jobs uh, for the Irish economy. Mm, that's an interesting point. Before I let you go, just you cover a lot of deep piece of data protection stuff as well. Um, and what is your sense at the moment in Europe of what the overall view is of Ireland and the, the Irish regulatory position? The sense that we get here is always that there's quite a hostile one that there's arched eyebrows about the the Irish approach here um Max Schrems is as a non-stop uh stream going about the uh the Irish DPC you know it's, it's in his view it's not doing its job properly but f- what's your sense in terms of the the reality of of how the the DPC and and the authorities here are perceived in, in the EU I mean, I think you're right. There is a small number of regulators and campaigners who don't like um, Helen Dixon, the head of the Data Protection Commission, and and, and what she uh, she's doing. Um, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that. I think over the last two years since the new European Privacy Rules GDPR came in place, um, the fact that that the budget for the DPC has increased significantly, that there are cases coming and fines. I think the Twitter fine is due next week. Um, that that has sort of gone some way. Is it enough to duplicate some? No, but that, I mean, I would just refer to the the upcoming um, high court case involving Facebook and the DPC um, uh, on the fifteenth of December, where Facebook is taking the Irish regulator to court because it thinks it's gone too far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is an example of yes, the Irish haven't done the best job in the past, but they're also doing good things now, and mm-hmm. therefore. When, when Facebook is taking you to court because you, they think you're being too aggressive, that doesn't feel like a regulator that's twiddling its thumbs. Mm, yeah. Well, listen, Mark, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us on, on the podcast today. Some really interesting insights and, and explanations there as well for a lot of our listeners. Hope you'll join us again. And I hope you'll uh, um, arrive in Mayo uh, sometime soon. Um, uh, if, if, you, if you are, give us a bell. I've, we, we have strong connections up in Mayo. That's Mark Scott, Chief Technology Correspondent with Politico. And that is all we have time for this week, uh, folks. So from me, Adrian Weckler, Tech Editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, thanks a million for watching us and listening again. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.